This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. Hello, everyone. Welcome to 2018. We did it. We made it. We fucking made it. We made it into the new year. And uh, yeah, I'm actually feeling okay about it. It's really interesting. Uh, I don't feel like I did the beginning of last year. Gee, I wonder why. (laughs) Because we've all gotten used to reality. That's why. Uh, So welcome to the new year. It's been uh, probably six or seven or eight weeks since I did a podcast. I do apologize. I did say I was going to do more of them. And then I did more of them for a while. And then, uh, you know, yeah. Okay. (laughs) The holidays. That's what I was going to say. It was the holidays. I hope your holidays were well. Mine were lovely. Interesting, but lovely. And, uh, well, let's just say things are good. Things are good. Uh, So here's the deal. Uh, This week, I... I've been thinking about sharing this with you guys because uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was on Pete Dominic's show on Sirius XM. He's got a show called Stand Up With Pete, and um, it's on the Insight Channel, and I just love doing that show with him. He, he and I could just talk forever, and I had come up with a little something that was kind of an interesting take on the last year and my reaction to it. And he and I, I just mentioned it in the conversation with him. And he was like, oh, my God, Um, I've never thought of it this way. So I was like, oh, I'm so excited. I have a unique take on something, Uh, which, you know, kind of in my life is everything. So I'm going to share that unique take with you today. Um, And uh, I've got some paper here to read off of. So I'm going to do that here in this podcast world. You can handle that. I've read on this place, read on this this show before. Um, and so the show today is going to be in two parts a little bit. It's going to be this little thing I'm going to talk about, kind of the collective and my internal thing. And then the second half, I'm going to share something with you guys that I shared with my class, my webinar on Sunday to start our series of 10 winter uh, webinars And um, I wanted to share that with you guys because I think it's some potent stuff and it's short and sweet, but it's interesting. And just to give you a taste of what I'm doing over there, if it seems like something you'd be interested in joining, um, because uh, that'd be nice. All right. Here's the thing that I want to talk about today. So I'm going to read this. Here it goes. With the election of Donald Trump to the presidency and the past year of all that has wrought in the media, policy-wise, you know what I mean, I've been watching and noticing my feelings day to day. Mostly, I've noticed a roller coaster of fear, disbelief, anger, despair, numbness. It's been exhausting. But what I've come to realize is actually occurring underneath it all is a recognition of my powerlessness and diminished sphere of influence. I see now that this last year has taught me a lot about one's circle of influence, more specifically how powerful or lack thereof I feel in the world. 
I see now that when my party or my person is in power, I have a sense that I myself and my wishes are being extended out into the world, and that feels good. What I want for the world, what I believe the world needs is happening, and my sense of control and power are satisfied. It's like the national policies are an extension of my own ability to have an impact or to have efficacy in the world. My power extends out into the world, and I am somehow connected to that sphere of influence. But when your person isn't in power, then your own power feels weakened. This feeling of powerlessness is familiar to me. Some part of me, the part that was hardwired by powerlessness in my childhood, has been awakened lately. I feel like a child again. And having flashbacks of being in the car full of adults who aren't fully competent and shouldn't be driving. Well, not that they couldn't competently drive. They were just doing a lot of chemicals that made them slightly incompetent. This definitely makes me feel unsafe, powerless and unsafe. Adding to all of this, I feel like the direction we are going in, we as a collective, we as a country, what feels like what we as a nation should be focusing on my values, as they say, are being ignored, mocked, undermined, and made to be wrong. My personal sphere of power has shrunk, and I feel powerless. No one likes to feel powerless. No one, ever. Unless you have a safe word. The relationship of being the submissive to someone's dominance is built on an agreement of rules that create trust. Now, I am not an S&M person, but I can understand the dynamic, certainly. Part of what makes being the submissive one is that it's so freeing. You can relax into a position of complete surrender because there are limits to the dominating person's power. You've made an agreement. But when you're in real life, unless consciously and openly negotiated, the limits of power don't feel as sharp and concrete. We do a lot of dancing in relationships, personal, professional, around the power dynamic. That's been quite the topic lately between, lately between men and women. And when it comes to a national government, the scope of power is huge and the limits to it are realized in our country, in our constitution and must be vigil vigilantly attended to. And when you see those in power ignoring or skirting or fucking with those limits, you get worried, especially when that person does not share your values. When the reins are in the hands of one set of people with differing values to your own, there really is a deep feeling of powerlessness. So we seek a sense of power where we can get it, our voice is one of these places. Social media has become a platform for such a voice because it is a place we can share our values, state our preferences and how we want the world to be without any mediation. I have a thought and two seconds later, I can express this thought in the hopes that someone or something will be listening and take it seriously enough to change the course of the future. This, I believe, explains my endless retweeting of tweets. <laughs> I think I spent the first three months of the Trump administration retweeting 10,000 things a day. I'm using my voice to feel a sense of power. 
but 99% of it is shouting into the wind and a waste of time because I'm only being heard by those mostly that already agree with me. And those people that don't agree with me and are my friends, we do what any polite company does. We ignore each other's politics and just stay friends. But anyway, the point is, the social media thing is very little chance that I will have any real impact, that my values will go out and extend into the world. One place where one's very words are having power is in the Me Too phenomena. Women are speaking up in such numbers and the media listened. Why now? Does some aspect of the people in the media also feel powerless and see this as a way to extend their own sense of efficacy? Because most of these stories have been celebrities or people of influence, does this feel like a collective shift in taking back some of the power? I don't know. These are questions. But my biggest concern is about my day-to-day sense of power, efficacy, and agency in the world. Understanding how much power I have to influence the world, but starting with the world inside my mind. Where and how much attention I give to things is really where all my power lies. Attention and behavior is all I really have as a means of influence in the world. And I like to look at how much attention I'm putting on things that I have actual power over in any given day. How much power do I have over the wide agenda of my country today? Pretty little. What actions can I take as a citizen? Vote, certainly. Use my time, money, or speech to influence other power brokers, my representatives, to move in a direction I want? Yes, certainly. How much information do I need each day to do that? Am I watching the news for pertinent information? Or am I watching it to justify my position in outrage so I can feel less powerless? Am I addicted to the palace intrigue of the scandals? How much information each day do I need in proportion to what I will wield in my sphere of influence to make a difference? (sighs) Much less than I'm taking in. Mostly, I feel that I focus on the stuff to make me feel like I can do something about it. I come from an upbringing where I had very little influence over the huge amount of chaos that drugs and alcohol brought into my home. I compensated for that by wanting to fix, be in charge, and manage everything. These days, I have to sit with the uncomfortable reality that the man-made world, as always, is more dysfunctional than I'd like. And I personally have less power than I think to change it today. What do I need to learn is that maybe we don't have to wait for the thing to be on the brink of ruin because we collectively acknowledge how we all got into this mess to begin with. That sentence didn't make any sense. I'll figure that out later. I really believe that what our family dynamics of power was like is heavily determining how we wield power, how we want our leaders to wield power, and ultimately determine our day-to-day relationship with a sense of powerlessness in our lives. So whether you're a liberal snowflake or a Trump voter, we've all experienced powerlessness. And maybe, maybe if we 
connect to that feeling. We can understand that all of us have this in common. We actually have a shared value, which is that we don't like feeling powerless and that we will do anything to change it. So do you recognize yourself in anything I just read? Do you see yourself being pulled in by the palace intrigue? Do you relate to this feeling of like just wanting to keep shouting and retweeting and arguing with people on Facebook so that you feel like you're actually making an impact and making a difference when you're really, really not? One of the most fascinating things I found in the last few weeks is I did a lot of year-end looking back kind of exercises um, and workshops with people. I mean, I did a lot of them this year, like five of them. And when people looked back on the year, I don't think there was a single person who put in the loss column that Donald Trump was president. Like no one put politics on their list. And I don't know if that's because the exercises felt more personal, but for all of the angst that goes on in the minds and the hearts of most of the people I know and how I encounter their angst all day long on social media, I was kind of shocked that it wasn't in the equation of how they assessed their year. And so this got me to thinking about you know, if you if you put politics on another table somewhere, that life's okay. I mean, yes, some policies are happening and some shit's going down and some things are being undermined. But, you know, today, right now, most of us are safe. Now, I have to say that people who are immigrants in this country... That is a whole different fucking storyline. And I'm not intimately involved in those communities. I don't know if I'm supposed to be or not. I don't know what the criteria is these days. I know at the beginning of the Trump administration, people were like, you know, we're all Muslims or we're all Mexicans or we're all whatever. And, and, I, and I get that. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not a part of those communities and I I don't know what's, I can't even imagine what it's like to be a person who's established a life here has, you know, businesses, families, education, all that kind of stuff. And now someone's saying, because you come, you're not here as a full citizen, you've got to leave. I I, I don't know what that's doing. Um, I can only imagine their lives are completely torn asunder. So there's that. That I fully acknowledge that my um, middle class white privilege absolutely comes into play here. But that said, also, um, you know, if you don't think about the powerless part of it, uh, there's a lot of other places you can have power in your life. And uh, that's what's been so interesting to me is to, to really identify this sense of, in this one sector, the behavior that I've created to compensate for this sense of powerlessness. So, I don't know. Once again, food for thought. Let me know. Follow me on Twitter. 
Come onto my Facebook page. Let me know what you think. Curious to hear from all of you. Okay, everyone, welcome back. Um, So I wanted to share, so as you know, most of you know, if you've been listening to the podcast the last few months, I have been teaching online and it's been really, well, it's made me feel powerful because I felt such a lack of powerlessness before that um, I had to do something and I could only do what is actually in my sphere and what I know how to do. And leading classes um, around self-care is actually something I know how to do. So I decided to do that. And it's been really, really great. I'm actually in my third series of classes. It's called Unplug with Kelly Carlin. And uh, starting the winter series, I've been doing them in seasons, which has been really fun because I love, no, I don't love, it's just an essential part of me I've realized I need to connect to the cycles of nature. Um, For New Year's Eve, we went up to Yosemite Valley and went to the Awani Hotel New Year's Eve party with some friends, and we woke up in Yosemite Valley on New Year's Day. And that was really, it was a great way to start the year because just being in that beautiful, beautiful raw nature is just so essential. So I started the year with these webinars last Sunday with the theme of stillness. And um, each season I take different words and different themes that I feel are kind of important to the season and and play with them. So uh, here's a little something I, I wrote about stillness. This time of year and this topic stillness should always be the beginning of one's relationship with mindfulness and meditation. Nature has so much to teach us right now. Yesterday morning, I awoke to the hush of fog enveloping my neighborhood, a cushioning of silence, a frame of stillness. It is here that our bodies know what to do with the invitation to align with our surroundings if we let them. It's an invitation that doesn't come to us often, an invitation to just be You can't name, or at least I can't, on one hand, how many times that happens in a day or a week or maybe even a lifetime because civilization does not concern itself with your well-being. It only concerns itself with its well-being, the project of progress and industrious action. Civilization is the accumulated result of millennia of human doing. And what a wonderful thing especially when this doing creates opportunities for all of us to feel more secure, fulfilled, and like we have a place here in our community and planet. But unfortunately, human doing is most of the time precipitated by unconscious feelings of unsafety, dissatisfaction, and disconnection. Whether those are instincts to survive or wounded ego needs created during our upbringing or habits that we've accumulated during our adult years. These feelings of craving something different, distancing ourselves from all things unpleasant, and longing to be seen and heard are what motivates us to create all of our human institutions, movements, and daily endeavors we find ourselves immersed in on this planet. 
So to regulate all that, I like to focus on the other aspect of ourselves, the human being part. Underneath all the grasping, averting, and loneliness lies a foundation of being that partakes in none of that. We are first and foremost human beings, and this is what matters to me. Most of our waking moments we spend in reactive mode, unconsciously responding biologically to internal and seemingly external demands. Feelings arise from within or the environment around us, ask something of us, and whoosh, we go into reaction mode. My intention always is in my life is to find tools and a path and some courage to be in more conscious contact with those feelings and demands and a way of meeting them in a different way. In doing so, I know that I can live with more presence and awareness and discover how to have more happiness, love, and peace in my life. And you know, the hippies, they got it right. There really is something real about happiness, love, and peace. It's not just words on a bumper sticker or lyrics in an Elvis Costello song. (laughs) So I just want to invite everyone out there to understand that most of the time we're in some sort of unconscious relationship with the environment and our bodies and our minds are being triggered by it. And so we're in some sort of level of dissatisfaction all the time. Um, we're wanting something or we don't like something, so we want it to go away. Um, or we're feeling disconnected and, and lonely. And it creates sensations in our body when that happens. And um, and and if it's not a calm, peaceful sensation, it's like, I want to change this. This is ucky. I don't like this feeling. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll eat a pizza. Or I know what I'll do. Um, I'll go on social media or I'll, um, you know, uh, drink vodka or whatever it is. And some of us have figured out what to do with those feelings sometimes. That isn't destructive behavior. You know, like exercising is really great or doing something creative and getting in the flow. That really helps. Meditation helps. Just being in a mindfulness going out in nature really helps. But um, but the thing is, I've been doing a bunch of research lately, and I've learned that one of the things that also helps to kind of rewire ourselves is to understand that when we are not in that irritated, aggravated, suffering place, as they say, in the Dharma, in the Buddha Dharma, that... Um, that when we're actually in a place of ease and we're not feeling pulled or pushed in any direction or in need or in fear, that when we're in that space, if you can consciously connect to what it actually feels like to be at ease and to really take it in and to really receive it, this does a lot of the rewiring and that there's a, it's a, it's it's a state of rest 
that your body's in. It's a state of equilibrium. And just by acknowledging it and consciously receiving it, you are soothing your nervous system and you are teaching it to be happy there <laughs> and, and, to, and, to, and to use that as default. That's why meditation actually works ultimately because the more you do it and the more consistency you have with sitting for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, once or twice a day, um, I don't know, I haven't read the science around how much you actually need to kind of bring this into your life. But I know that even if you sat for 10 minutes a day, once a day for 10 days in a row, you're going to start to feel different. And even if your meditation is crappy, even if you're sitting during meditation going, oh, there's my monkey mind. Oh, there are my thoughts. Oh, there are my thoughts. But it's the action of sitting and bringing yourself back to the breath over and over again and doing the concentration on the breath that actually does the rewiring. And so there is a way to be in the world where you're not so run by the world that you get to be more of a witness to the world. And so, anyway, uh, I, I've just been, I mean, I've been studying this stuff for 20, 20 years and I knew all this intuitively and stuff, but when I really start to read the brain science and the neuroscience and all that stuff behind it, um, it's amazing because I like the neuroscience part of it. I like to know that there's like, people trying to figure this shit out on the brain level. Um, and it doesn't take for me away any of the sense of sometimes the magic or the transcendence or the at oneness feeling. I don't go, oh, that's just my brain doing that. Um, I still let myself feel wonder and awe and in love with the world when I'm in that space because that's okay. That's what it feels like. So this is some of the stuff I end up sharing on Sunday mornings. Um, and I'm here's the other thing I'm loving about Sunday mornings is that, and that's when I do these webinars, is that it's like a little mini church for me. Um, I really do long to become part of a church or something like that because I love community. Um, I just don't like all the bullshit that goes along with it. So for me, this is a way to be a participant in a community without a lot of bullshit. No bullshit, really. Um so if you're interested, we've only done one week and um, and all the webinars are recorded so you can always catch up. But if it's something you're interested in, in doing, you go to my website, kellycarlin.com forward slash teaching, and you'll see a link to the class. And um, it's very reasonable. I'm very reasonable, except when I'm not. Okay. Anything else about the new year? I don't know. Even, you know, it's day 10 and it's still, uh, things are like a little hopeful. I don't know. People are fighting back. Things aren't as dire as they seemed. Or maybe we're just all becoming used to it. <laughs> God, I hope not. Um, anyway, so uh, you guys have um, a great week. Uh, I am planning on doing this again next week. I hope... Uh, 
this uh, string of words in your ears as you were walking on the beach or on the treadmill or driving your car or trying to fall asleep or um, while you're on an airplane or while you're in a boat or um, while you're feeding your ducks. I hope this brought you some joy and some peace and uh, I don't know, a little food for thought. All right, folks. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter at Kelly underscore Carlin. I'm on Facebook. Uh, my website's kellycarlin.com. And you can follow Logan at Logan Heftel on Twitter. He's got a new album coming out very, very soon. And it's going to be good, people. And uh, my um, Irish passport just arrived. And so, fuck you all. <laughs> Pretty soon I'll be talking like this from Dublin. <laughs> all right, you guys, have a great week and um, uh, don't be an asshole.
this pain away in love And I'm so shameless, I asked God for inspiration And she sent you my uh, way